Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Die Allen. Conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Two words. Two important words. Why now? Why now? Why today? Why now? Is Hunter Biden finally entering into a plea agreement for the tax issues and the illegal gun possession lying on the gun application? I mean, five years they've been investigating this. These are cut and dry issues. They're not complicated, not complex, but now they're happening. Now, why now? Those are the important questions. Train yourself to ask those questions. Why now? And you will begin to anticipate the left, understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and where they're going from here. And we're going to get into that today. So that's what happened after all this. um, The DOJ has announced that Hunter Biden agreed to plead guilty to two tax offenses. And he's agreed to enter a pretrial diversion agreement for lying on a gun application and possessing an illegal firearm. Now, that is unprecedented. That does not happen. The pretrial diversion agreement, I mean, basically, uh, he's, he's agreeing to do X, Y, and Z and in exchange, uh, he won't face jail time and so on and so forth. But if your name is Kodak Black and you're a black 22-year-old rapper and you commit the same offense here with regards to the gun as Hunter Biden, well, you get three years in jail. That's what happened to Kodak Black. Now, I'm going to explain where all this is going. I've got some media clips to play for you, too. Predictably, uh, well, look, I mean, I'll lay it out. They announced on the same day that Hunter Biden says, okay, I'll plead guilty. They announced the date, the court date for the Trump case into the classified documents. That's going to be on August 14th. And of course, we know what that's about. That's about convincing the jury that the DOJ isn't corrupt, that they're not just pursuing Donald Trump in a manner that would make, you know, the Nazis blush. But, you know, not to, uh, not to stroke my ego here, but I think it's important for new listeners to understand why I have the audience retention here and why it's important and why I earn your trust. Uh, This is me. I've got a clip of me. This is me talking about the Hunter Biden case this moment on October 10th, 2022. Captain, that's cut one. If you're watching, you know, this was before Captain and I got together and became all stars and started doing video. But anyway, this is me, October 10th, 2022. Go ahead and play it, Captain. Go. So the big story today is that, you know, the DOJ is prepared to indict Hunter Biden. And I I know a lot of people got all excited. Oh, yes, justice. We're going to get justice finally for Hunter Biden, for Joe Biden. None of that's happening. In fact, the intention behind this is to do just the opposite, to ensure that no justice ensues and that this investigation just goes into the ash heap of history, never to be discussed, investigated again. So now the DOJ is coming out and says, uh, you know, we're going to indict Hunter. And they're seeking a plea deal, right? So, you know, Hunter, you just admit guilt and uh, we will give you a light sentence, a slap on the wrist. And they want to indict 
uh, Hunter now. They want to hunt, indict Hunter now because they don't want some other prosecution that isn't in the pockets of Joe Biden and Merrick Garland uh, to continue this. <clears throat> they want to end this now. They don't want any future probes. They just want to shut this thing down, sweep it under the rug, and be done with it so they can go back to Trump, 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 Trump. Maybe um, they'll give uh, Hunter Biden six months in jail, and then they'll reduce his sentence you know, to an ankle monitor where he can smoke crack within the confines of his home. Big deal. That's why they're rushing, rushing, rushing to actually indict. See, indictment is a victory for the swamp, a victory for the Biden crime syndicate, a victory for the Democratic Party. Because it's better they indict him while they have control over the, the uh, repercussions and the, and the proceedings than if somebody who actually was interested in justice was in charge. So they'll give Hunter Biden a slap on the wrist, say there's nothing more to look into, we've dealt with it, let's move on. They'll prevent another U.S. attorney or court from overturning the rest of the stones. Well, you heard it here first. You're hearing the same thing that I said back in October of 2022 of last year, uh, repeated on all the networks by many people now, and that's fine. That's fine. I mean, they're they're correct. I was correct as well. And, And that's what this is all about, right? The, 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 look, I mean, think about this. What is it that finally convinced this plea agreement to happen? Hunter Biden's finally admitting he's guilty. I mean, we know what he did. He didn't pay his taxes twice, and he lied on a gun application. We've known about this since 2018. It's cut and dry. It's simple. So why did it take five years to get to this point? They were controlling this. They were suppressing this. And they were waiting for the right moment to use it to their advantage. And what they're hoping now is that ahead of this grand jury getting together in Miami, that now the fact that they have, I mean, they, I mean, if you listen to the left, I mean, they're lying through their teeth. They're saying, for example, that, oh, this is a harsh punishment, a harsh punishment. Now, let's just summarize here. Hunter Biden, what is he really accused of here? Uh, Foreign influence peddling, taking and coordinating bribes for himself, his uncle, his father to the tune of millions of dollars. He and his father are accused of working to shut down an investigation into a Ukrainian oligarch, the oil company Burisma, getting that prosecutor fired in exchange for $10 million, five to Joe, five to Hunter. And you have the left saying that him getting no jail time, him getting nothing right now, this plea deal for two minor tax crimes and admitting to the basic facts around this gun case that that is a severe, severe punishment. It's not. It's not at all. Now, cue up cut two, Captain. This is uh, Joe Scarborough and his wife, Micah Brzezinski. They're on MSNBC, and they want to make sure that everyone knows that the, the, the attorney, the individual involved in prosecuting this case in Delaware, well, he was a Trump appointee. Now, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, there was a lot of outrage from many on the left that Joe Biden kept this guy around, that he didn't sack him and get rid of him. But it didn't matter. You see, 
the the point that I that 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 you have to understand is that all of these attorneys, district attorneys, and so on and so forth, they work at the behest of Merrick Garland. They're not autonomous operators. They don't have the ability to do what they want and act. They are working at the behest of Merrick Garland and Joe Biden, who ultimately is Merrick Garland's boss. Joe Biden is the boss. But they want to make it clear, oh, this was a Trump appointee. Look, a Trump appointee did this. So play cut two, Captain. All right, we have some breaking news. The Trump-appointed U.S. attorney for Delaware has reached a plea agreement with Hunter Biden in which he is expected to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes. Hunter Biden also faces a separate gun possession charge that will likely be dismissed if he meets certain conditions. This is according to court documents filed on Tuesday. Again, we will be following this. The Trump-appointed U.S. attorney for Delaware reaching a plea agreement with Hunter Biden. He's expected to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes. We all- so you hear them repeating and parroting that talking point. They want to drive it home. A Trump appointee. A Trump appointee. Now look, the goal was always for this to happen, for Hunter to plead to a couple of these minor offenses and get little little or no jail time. And then, of course, the White House, the media, the Democratic Party, they could do what? Say, look, the scandal's over. You see, they want to conflate the bigger scandal, which is what? Hunter Biden, Joe Biden corruption, pay-to-play schemes, bribery in foreign countries. They want to conflate that with this, which didn't look into any of that. In fact, the lawyer, the attorney for Hunter Biden wasn't even asked by federal prosecutors about the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, think about that. That's the big scandal here. And they made this. Look at the difference here. When it came to fake hoax investigations of Donald Trump, they were broad, right? They appointed special counsels. Now, they didn't appoint a special counsel to look into Hunter Biden. Why? They would have a broad scope, an ability to get to, to, to expand this into the laptop and everything else. This was very narrow. This was just looking into the tax stuff and the gun form. So this was controlled. And actually, Jonathan Turley had a great piece at the Hill. He calls it demolition control, I believe. But I mean, it's just, you know, here they go. So they say, look, we got Hunter Biden. The DOJ is not after a witch hunt. They went after Hunter. They got Hunter. He pled guilty. So it's fair game. See, look at us. We're fair. We're fair. And they want the grand jury on August 14th to really get that message. Uh, so, you know, this Turley piece, I'll just read you a couple things. You know, he, he <laughs> he's funny. He makes a point. He says, for critics like me, right, of this plea agreement. Turley says it looks like rushing to the scene of a bank robbery and giving the getaway driver a a ticket for double parking. That's exactly right. That's exactly what's going on here. Um... So, you know, yeah, this scan, you know, I mean, this, this was all convi- confined, this investigation. And of course, you know, the Democrats, they were very concerned when they lost the House of Representatives 
in the midterm elections. Because, of course, the Republicans had the ability to go and open up investigations into Joe Biden. So, you know, that's the timing of this. The timing in this is, uh, is twofold. I mean, at some point, they had to deal with this situation. They were just waiting to figure out how to deal with it. And they, they calculated that the best moment, the most opportune time to do it was now, before the grand jury gets around to what the Democrats hope will be is, is you know, giving a, a, delivering a guilty verdict for Trump to put him in jail. And it's, it's, it's totally, totally absurd um, you know, they, they're claiming that there's an ongoing investigation still out of this. I, I, I don't know that that's true. I mean, we can't get any kind of, a tr- you know, transparency, obviously, from this administration. I think that's just, you know, fodder to keep us quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's still an ongoing. We're still looking. What are you looking into? Oh, we can't tell you. You know, with, with Trump, you know, and his investigations, they'll leak, 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 leak. So, you know, this is this is meant to send a signal to, well, the loyal Democrat base, especially to give them talking points to say, well, it's over. There's nothing to see here. It's done. Stop looking into Joe Biden. There's nothing to see there. And they just want to shut this thing down, just as I predicted back in October of 2022. But, you know, this also exposes other problems with Joe Biden. The fact that he's a liar. He went on TV not long ago, another coordinated move ahead of this, in an interview, one of those rare interviews, he sat down and he said that he didn't believe Hunter Biden had done anything wrong. And they made a special point in that interview to point out that this was a personal issue for Hunter. This doesn't have anything to do with Joe. So Hunter's guilty, which in their minds is supposed to convey to us that that means somehow that Joe Biden is innocent. They got Hunter Biden. But Biden has said his son didn't do anything wrong. Whoops. Hunter Biden also said he thought he'd be exonerated. Whoops. Guess not. And furthermore, of course, Biden told the lie on the campaign trail time and time again that he didn't know anything about his son Hunter's business dealings. And we know from the laptop and the emails that Joe Biden was intimately involved. In fact, he got his son likely the job at Burisma. And certainly his son's associate. So anyway, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I'm sick of it. I'm so tired of it. I mean, this is the two-tiered justice system in America. And it's not even two-tiered. I mean, there is no justice if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, if you're you're Donald Trump. You know, if you're Donald Trump or anybody associated with him, they invent crimes and will put you in jail for something that wasn't even wrongdoing. But when it comes to Democrats, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, James Comey, I mean, you just name the people on the left, Barack Obama, they can commit the most heinous and obvious offenses and they will face no punishment whatsoever. Now, Trump was on with Brett Baer. He did a sit-down interview with Brett Baer. Did you see this interview, Captain? Um, I've got a few clips I want to play from that, but, uh, you know, Brett Baer, you know, he's the guy that, that, well, a lot of people think he exposed himself during the 2020 
election when he refused to call, for example, Florida for Trump. But uh, what, what was the other state? What was the state that he rushed to call Arizona or something like that for uh, for Biden? Like 10 percent in. OK, it's going to Joe Biden. Brett Baer, I'm sorry to say, is a quintessential journalist. And I don't mean that in a complimentary fashion. He is the um, he is what a journalist is in the modern manifestation of that profession. You know, Rush Limbaugh once said, and I've said it on this show too, to repeat it, that if you want and desire a life in Washington, D.C., one of the things you have to do in terms of criteria is you have to hate Trump. You have to be against Trump. You have to fit in. You have to do what the swamp says if you want a life in Washington, D.C. And that extends to the journalist class, the anchor class. Brett Baer is a never-Trumper, and he's entitled to his own opinion, of course, but he purports to be this fair, hard-hitting journalist. And yet, I mean, I'd love to see him sit down with Joe Biden. The thing with Joe Biden is he'd never do an interview if it wasn't a friendly outlet. That's the thing. And so, you know, there there, there are a couple of schools of thought out there. Some that say, you know, uh, Donald Trump should never have done this interview with Brett Baer. Why would he do it? Well, you know, Donald Trump is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. I mean, it was the same thing with these classified documents. I'll get into that in a minute here as, as, I, as I talk about it in the interview. But it's actually, as I'll discuss in a moment, it's actually Donald Trump's um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's his compliance with the deep state. It's his compliance with the National Archives. It's actually his cooperation that got him in trouble. But if he hadn't cooperated, he'd also be in, you know what I'm saying? So, and so this is the same thing. I mean, what, what is Donald Trump supposed to do? I mean, if he doesn't go on and do interviews, he's going to be attacked. If he goes and does the interviews, he's attacked. But this wasn't a success for Brett Baer. Not really. I know the left wants to spin it that way. They want to convey it that way. They're always going to convey the story in such a way. Donald Trump's always losing. Donald Trump's always, I mean, that's it. It's always negative coverage. But that's not true. What I saw in this interview was a very sad, pathetic Brett Baer who was out to get Trump. And he made that known in the interview. So, firstly... I have talked about extensively on this show here about the lack of a crime in terms of the classified documents situation. There is no crime. Trump did not commit a crime. And yet Brett Baer won't even discuss, won't entertain, won't won't even seemingly allow Donald Trump to make The point, which is he was president of the United States and had the unique authority, sole authority to declassify documents, whereas, you know, Vice President Pence, Vice President Joe Biden, they had national security classified documents in their possession. No, 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 he he tries to shut it down. So Brett Baer has no problem at all with the fact that Pence 
had classified documents, and he has no problem at all that Joe Biden had classified documents. But he does have a problem with the fact that Donald Trump had classified documents. This is why I say, stop watching Fox News. It's a garbage organization, and it's just going to make you mad. I mean, look, if you hate Trump, watch it. It's like watching MSNBC. You know what I thought of, Captain? Brett Baer is the male version of Leslie Stahl. That's what he's become. That's what he's become. He's a beefed up version of Leslie. He's Leslie, Leslie Stahl if she had a uh, gender mutilating surgery. Maybe, maybe they, 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 they'd look similar. I don't know. She'd have to really beef up, though, on, on steroids. But, but it was the same thing. Leslie Stahl, if you don't recall that interview with Donald Trump, I mean, he had his own crew there to film it, and he exposed her as a fraud. They edit, edited that interview to try and, well, trick the viewers. But Leslie Stahl, you know, Donald Trump's bringing up the laptop, I think, and so on and so forth. And she, and she kept saying, oh, no, no, that's misinformation. That's disinformation. You're lying. You're lying, Donald Trump. You're lying. Brett Baer gave Trump the same treatment here. Cue up cut three, Captain. This is probably the longest clip of them. But I just want you to hear a brief, well, a, a, a consolidated uh, clip of this exchange between Trump and Brett Baer. Go ahead and play it, Captain. Go. We'll go through those boxes. I have to go through those boxes. I take out personal things. Uh, as far as the levels and all, everything was declassified because I had the right to declassify. You want to talk about a mess? Take a look at Biden, where he's got 1,850 boxes. He has boxes stored in Chinatown in D.C. He has boxes stored at Penn Center. And he has boxes under his Corvette and around his Corvette, sitting in a garage for years, where it was very seriously classified. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a Presidential Records Act. This is not a criminal thing. In fact, the New York Times of all had a story just the other day that the only way NARA could ever get this stuff, this back, would be please, 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 could we have it back? And they please. asked for that. Because they have no... We they were did talking. ask for it. No. And they said, I gave can you give some, the documents back? And we were talking. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And in but why not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Right, I'm not going to belabor this. No, but, belabor Brett, this, but when I, you I look at this, to get to the other specific. presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. They have thousands and thousands. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had Their it. The Bushes had it. Their argument is that these are super sensitive national security oh, documents. I'm sure, I'm sure, right, so here's, I'm sure you'll see real super sensitive that Biden has because Biden has far more than anybody's ever kept. And he turned them over when asked. No, he but, didn't. But he that's, still that's hasn't he given the 1,850 boxes that stored at the University of Delaware. In fact, they're fighting them in court, right. and they're fighting them. And but he the opened boxes, up for them to look at it. Excuse me. The boxes from Chinatown 
He didn't turn him over. He sent him up to his lawyer in Boston to look at before they handed him over. And there are special counsel that's looking at that, and we'll see what comes well, out of it. But I do imagine. want to just you can imagine. This. I don't want to dwell on it. You see, Brett Baer is not really a journalist. He's a propagandist. Brett Baer has already decided on what the narrative is, which is Donald Trump did something wrong. Donald Trump, of course, makes his point and says all those things that are true. And honestly, he schools Brett Baer because Brett Baer, the journalist, the the hard-hitting, straight-laced journalist at Fox News, the gumshoe, he doesn't have his facts straight. He doesn't know where the documents went. He briefly brings up the special counsel looking into Joe Biden. Well, that special counsel hasn't leaked what those documents are like they did in the Trump situation. Now, look, I've got an article here from American Greatness. Now, I am partial to American Greatness, I must admit, because I am frequently published there. But Julie Kelly wrote this article, and she is a national treasure. Julie Kelly is a national treasure. Now, she goes through a timeline. You know, the talking point from Brett Baer and other ignorant people out there that don't know anything, the talking point is Donald Trump didn't cooperate. Why didn't you just turn them over? That's not true. Here's the actual story and the timeline of what happened. Julie Kelly puts it together. I'll link to this uh, at my Substack. So in May of 2021, that's when all this began. May of 2021, William Basenko, NARA's, NARA's, NARA is the National Archives and Records Administration, right? So the chief executive officer of NARA, he allegedly noticed two presidential documents were missing from the Trump administration. The letter Barack Obama wrote to Donald Trump and correspondence between Trump and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. And then Bosenko told members of the House Intelligence Committee earlier this year there were multiple high visible items the Trump team did not turn over to the archives. There was a whole list of items that we were telling them, the administration, that we don't have this. It must exist somewhere. Now I'm going to pause. Bosenko lied. Lied, okay? When he was pressed by Elise Stefanik, to disclose the list that Bosanko is saying they have that allegedly violated the Presidential Records Act, Bosanko, his mind went completely blank. So imagine this. Bosanko is sitting there in Congress before the House Intelligence Committee earlier this year, and he tells them there were multiple high visible items that Trump's team didn't turn over to the archives, a whole list of items that we were telling them the administration, that we don't have this. Now, you would think that if you made a statement that you had this whole list of items that we asked back, he would be able to think of a single item on that list. But he couldn't. So Stefanik asked him, and he says, well, there were a couple other items that I'm not recalling, but these were very obvious things that given our role as the nation's record keeper, we went back very informally to representatives of the former president and said, might you have these? And here's the problem. Trump's advisors ultimately yielded to Bosenko's inquiry. And what they did here is essentially what they did to entrap Michael Flynn. They set Trump up here. 
I'll explain. So, instead of just giving those letters, right, those two letters, right, Bolsenko in the beginning said, hey, we need the the letter that Barack Obama left you, and we need that letter of correspondence between you and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Instead of just handing those over to to Bosenko or telling the archives to shove it up their you-know-whats, which they should have done, Trump's team gave Bosenko 15 boxes of materials. And Julie Kelly writes, that's when the games began. So as soon as they got those boxes, what happens? Bosenko... He says, hey, there's classified documents in here. These are verboten papers. And he immediately facilitated a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. And Merrick Garland, of course, was eager to to, to go forward with this. And so the FBI opened up an investigation into the unlawful possession of classified documents. This was March 30th, 2022. So a little less than a year after this all began. And after Trump was served a subpoena, the initial subpoena, well, his team continued searching for files with classified markings per the order. And you hear this time and time again, that Trump and his lawyers didn't cooperate with federal authorities. And yet Trump welcomed Jay Bratt the counterintelligence chief of the department's national security division and three FBI agents welcomed them to visit Mar-a-Lago on June 3rd, 2022. So what do you mean he's not cooperating? He invited the devil into his house. And that's the other thing that went wrong. And they keep saying Trump delayed, uh, you know, his plans to settle in New Jersey for the summer to greet Bratt and his group. You know, Trump told him, and this is all documented, whatever you need, just let us know. His legal team turned over an additional 38 records with classified markings to Brad. They, they're cooperating all along. And Julie Kelly points out that that level of cooperation, which no other president would participate in, they would have filed one legal challenge after the other to tell the NARA to shove it up their, you know what? And this is, this is why the sock drawer story of Clinton is so important. Because in that case, which Clinton, you know, uh, Bill Clinton won, he had a bunch of recordings between him and foreign leaders, audio tapes, because that's what we used back then. Hard to believe. But he had them in a sock drawer. And in the end, it was determined that because Clinton viewed those as his personal belongings, that that settled the dispute. So by virtue of Clinton having them and being president, being able to declassify and so on and so forth, well, they were personal belongings. And that's what all this is about. What belongs to me? What belongs to the government? All of this is a joke anyway. I mean, all this stuff I told you when Nixon passed this, this Presidential Records Act, it shifted ownership of these documents from the president of the United States, as it had been understood, to belonging to the government. And again, they want to put Trump in jail (laughs) over this. 
And, uh, you know, and then they raided Mar-a-Lago. And they took anything in the vicinity of a file with classified markings. They took 13,000 pieces of evidence from the raid. And now remember, in this case that Jack Smith, corrupt Jack Smith, well, well, he's claiming, well, there are 100 or 101 classified documents. That's it. They took 13,000 pieces of evidence. 13,000 pieces of evidence. And this is all over 100 documents with classified markings. Now, it doesn't mean that they weren't declassified either. But, you know, they have classified... And everything... This is a whole thing. I don't have time to get into it. But this has been an issue for a long time. Democrats, Republicans have all talked about the overclassification in Washington, D.C. Everything gets classified. You know, what somebody had for lunch ends up being classified. It's insane. But they're alleging, oh, these were super secretive documents. To national, well, did somebody see them? Did Donald Trump sell them to North Korea? No, of course not. And meanwhile, Brett Baer, of course, brings up the special counsel, this invisible special counsel that's silent, looking into Joe Biden's uh, possession of his classified documents. And not a word about what, what's in those. I mean, he had these documents stored at his uh, communist Chinese lab at the University of Pennsylvania in an office. Why? What, 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 what were those documents? Were there national secrets? We don't know. But with Donald Trump, we've got all these leaks. All right, cue up cut four, Captain. I want you, this is, this is uh, one of those important moments of this interview. Donald Trump, this is why Donald Trump's under attack. All right, this is why the world is out to get Donald Trump, and he's brave enough to say it right here. Cue, uh, play cut four, Captain, go. Chinese, very smart. This is a very smart country. They, they own us. Until I came along, they just owned every president, including, including presidents that I liked. But remember this. I took in hundreds of billions of dollars. I put a 50% tax on a tariff on, tax or tariff, you can call it either one, but I put a tariff on steel. If I didn't do that, you wouldn't have any steel mills. If I didn't do that, you wouldn't have washing machines in the United States being made anymore. One of the- Trump is exactly right, and that's why he's under attack. I mean, one, one of the things that doesn't get enough attention is... Just the, the, the wide-scale corruption of our politicians in Washington, D.C. It's amazing what a few million dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars in the pockets of a U.S. politician from the communist Chinese will do. D- do you know, by the way, uh, the communist Chinese are working with Cuba right now to establish a joint training facility in Cuba. Now, Cuba's 90 miles off of the coast of Florida. So China's now going to have a military installation base 90 miles from our shores. Do you see a problem with that? Could that present a danger to the United States of America? I think so. I think so. Now, think about how we reacted to Russia doing the same thing during the Cold War. Under Kennedy, for example, the Bay of Pigs and all that sort of stuff. Think about it. We freaked out and lost our minds over that threat. And when it comes to China doing it, it's like, oh, no big deal. 
No big deal. I mean, we are losing our lunch fast. Um, and of course, these developments are coming just after Tony Blinken went to China, didn't get the red carpet. There's a picture of him shaking Xi's hand. And Blinken is hunched over, reaching out, and like, like you know, a beta. And you've got Xi standing tall, not even facing him, sticking his hand out to shake his hand. This stuff is important. You know, I think about this often. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't have to have a certain disposition because I'm not representing the United States in official capacity. I'm just a, a citizen doing my show. But when you were the president of the United States or you're, you're secretary of state Blinken or something like that, you're not just Blinken. You're not just Joe Biden. You, you are representing the country. You have to put that in your body and bones and carry yourself like you're the United States of America. You're not Joe Biden. You're the United States. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, to them, it looks like, you know, they got paid by the communist Chinese and they're about to get on their knees. You know, actually, cue up cut eight, Captain. I want you to hear Blinken. I, 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 if we don't elect Trump in 2024 and Biden or some other Democrat, Newsom or whoever might replace him, if, if, if we have a Democrat administration in 2024, Hello, World War III. I'm not certain that we won't see some wide-scale escalation before 2024. And this is why. Here is Blinken. Just play the clip, Captain. You'll, you'll see what he says. On Taiwan, I reiterated the longstanding U.S. one-China policy. Uh, that policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. We do not support Taiwan independence. Now, firstly, our policy as it relates to Taiwan is a joke anyway. Um, I mean, it's doublespeak. Out of one side of our mouths, we say we support Taiwan, and out of the other side of our mouth, we say we don't support Taiwan. That's essentially what our policy is. It's a, it's a no position. But I don't recall anybody coming out and blazon, so brazenly just saying we don't support Taiwan independence. I do not recall a leader making it that clear to the Chinese that they have the green light to invade Taiwan and we won't lift a finger. Now think about this. If you're Russia and you invade Ukraine and you just want to seize the western portion of the state where you have a bunch of sympathetic uh, you know, Ukrainians who want to be Russian, who want to embrace Moscow... Now, when Russia invades Ukraine, we give over $100 billion to the cause. We open up our wallets and we pledge unlimited financial 
and military assistance to Ukraine. When it comes to China and their desire to invade Ukraine, we don't say anything against it. We don't warn the Chinese not to do it. We don't talk about the right of the Taiwanese. We don't talk about how tyrannical and terrible Xi is. Think about how they talk about Putin every day. They talk about regime change, assassinating him. When it comes to Xi, do they say, we need regime change in China because he's a threat to Taiwan? Ask yourselves, why? Why? It's a dangerous world. More dangerous by the second, as a matter of fact. By the way, uh, six-something billion dollars just went, you know, was was unaccounted for. There was a, there was a, um, I don't know, if you can find the story, Captain, I can't remember quite what the amount was, but they just uh, gave us press conference about it. There was an accounting issue from the U.S. government, and we accidentally gave six billion more dollars to Ukraine than we were supposed to. I mean, the, 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 the level of stupidity in the government is astounding. I mean, you've got the illiterate Corrine Jean-Pierre who recently talked about how historic and important she was. Yes, historically stupid. Uh, that would be accurate. But anyway, if you can find that, Captain, just let me know. <clears throat> um, so... Cue up cut five in the meantime. Trump just drops a truth bomb on Brett Baer. Now, I've been saying this and using this to make the case for Trump for a long time. And Trump says it himself here. And I think it's wonderful and we need you should hear it. So play cut five, Captain. Go. I would like to be less combative, but I find the press is extremely dishonest. And if I'm not combative, I don't get my word across. If I'm not combative, I don't know. I, I don't think you could win. I think regardless me or somebody else, if somebody else got the nomination, these radical left maniacs would come after them at a level like you've never seen before, and they're not going to be able to withstand it. Our country is sick. It's sick. We have people that will do anything, and it's a very sad thing, like the document hoax. They should have never been brought. We're in the middle of a political campaign, and they want to arrest the opponent who's leading the person that's, in theory, in charge of government. This stuff shouldn't happen. So what I'm sorry. There's just nobody like this guy. He just says it direct. He's fearless. He's fearless. Trump tells it like it is. He doesn't change to please anybody else in the media. And he's right. This is why I say damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Well, he's not supposed to be combative. You've got an entire weaponized government and a media apparatus that's been trying to destroy him and his family since 2016. And what's the guy supposed to do? Just brush it off? They're trying to put him in jail right now. He's not supposed to fight back. He's not supposed to. I mean, how is he supposed to talk about these people, these backstabbers, the Pompeos, the Pences? What's he supposed to do? Yes, these are wonderful people. Wonderful people stabbing me in the back. I mean, you know, he exposed the dark underbelly 
of politics and power in America, the corruption. Oh, you have it, Captain? Yeah, is it a, is it a video? Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead and play this. This is your government working for you. Following up from um, some announcements earlier this year, during the department's regular oversight of our execution of presidential drawdown authority for Ukraine, we discovered inconsistencies in equipment valuation for Ukraine. In a significant number of cases, services used replacement costs rather than net book value, thereby overestimating the value of the equipment drawn down from U.S. stocks and provided to Ukraine. Once we discovered this misvaluation, the comptroller reissued guidance on March 31st, clarifying how to value equipment in line with the financial management regulation and DOD policy to ensure we use the most accurate of accounting methods. We have confirmed that for FY23, the final calculation is $3.6 billion, and for FY22, it is $2.6 billion for a combined total of $6.2 billion. These valuation errors in no way limit or restricted the size of any of our PDAs or impacted the provision of support to Ukraine. And while the DOD, while the DOD retains the authority to utilize the recaptured PDA, this has no bearing on appropriated USAI or Ukraine PDA replenishment funding approved by Congress. Wow. I think Captain's on to it. I don't think this was a mistake either, Captain. Captain says it's so that they can give more equipment for the same money approved by Congress. It wasn't, it was an accounting trick. It wasn't an accounting mistake. I mean, as stupid as people in the government are, $6.2 billion in this particular situation, yeah, there's a reason they did that. (laughs) I mean, who's getting fired for this, Captain? Or is, is a head going to roll for this? Oh, no, of course. This is the administration of zero accountability. Nobody ever gets fired in this administration. Not Millie. Not Corrine Jean-Pierre, who's violated the Hatch Act numerous times. Using her position to vilify uh, a political party in this country. Ultra mega super mega. I mean, I can't believe they spent money, you know, uh, testing, testing these things, you know, ultra mega, super mega. What's going to be pejorative? How do we, I mean, it's just your money, by the way, they didn't spend their own money. They spent your money. I mean, this is what, this is what, oh, that's what we're doing, by the way, Captain. We are, um, the U.S. government is spending our tax dollars to fund programs intended to label us domestic terrorists. Our tax dollars are being spent to put us in jail. It's incredible. All right. So many of you aren't on Twitter. Good for you. It's a, it's a still a cesspool, but it's a kind of a fun place to be now to some extent in, in, you know, abstemiously in moderation. There's a, a bum at Baylor University named uh, Peter Hotez. I think it's Hotez. Now, he's uh, the fat version of Dr. Fauci. And this guy has devoted, I mean, in, in addition to, to being a crook, 
uh, an anti-science. This this uh, vaccine expert has spent his entire career researching the creation of a vaccine for uh, tapeworms or hookworms or something like that, which we have treatments for. So of all the things you could spend your time creating a vaccine for, uh, he's worried about uh, worms in third world countries. Now, you know, I, I get it. There's issues gastrointestinally. They can be dangerous. But, you know, I've researched a little bit of these worms just because they're so disgusting. But there's treatments for them if you get them. But So he wants to make a vaccine for this. And by the way, he's, he hasn't succeeded. He hasn't said it's like Fauci with his 40 years trying to make a HIV vaccine. So the reason I bring this up, uh, in addition to me just enjoying ridiculing the losers and tyrants in society, is because Hotez is a paragon of tyranny. That's what he is. He perfectly embodies the tyrant class in America. You know, the Hunter Biden protected class, the two-tier justice system, all of that. Hotez embodies that. Hotez will not debate. He believes he's above it. He's also a fraud and can't win a debate. And so he attacks... And then when you confront him, he makes himself out to be a victim and runs to friendly news networks to defend him and gaslight the attacked, the person he attacked, and makes you the bully. So Joe Rogan had RFK Jr. on his program recently, and they had a discussion about vaccines RFK Jr., some people love things that he's... I mean, he says some wacky things. He also says some true and brilliant things. But they got into a discussion about vaccines and so on and so forth. And um, pull up, pull up that, that photo I have, Captain, that Hotez tweet. If it's there. I'll read it anyway. So, so all right, here we go. Let me let me just set the tone. Let, let's go back. So RFK Jr.'s on with Joe Rogan. And they have a discussion about all sorts of things. And Joe Rogan brings up, because he's had actually Hotez on his program before, right? He's actually interviewed Hotez in the past. And Hotez... Hotez is this very unfortunate looking. I mean, he's got terrible teeth. Terrible teeth. He looks like he's never been to the dentist before. They look like they're rotting out of his mouth. He's this fat guy that's never eaten a salad in his life. He's super unhealthy. He looks like he could just keel over. All right? And this is a guy preaching about vaccines. and So so the point is, Joe Rogan gets into this, and my wife's right about this too, people that are into nutrition. You know, we don't do anything preventative in America, right? It's just, I'm going to eat terribly, do what I want to do, and then I'll get a surgery or I want to take a vaccine. I mean, there's so many things you can do if you just take care of your body to prevent illness in the first place. And that's a very legitimate argument to make. And so in this interview with, with Joe Rogan, previously, Hotez 
Joe Rogan push presses him about it. He says, I mean, do you eat healthy? Like, do you see anything wrong with the fact that you're telling everybody else you need to get vaccinated and do this and that, but like, you don't even take care of your body. When's the last time you ate healthy? He's like, well, I never eat healthy. I mean, it's just this. Yeah. This guy's a complete, look at this doofus. And these are the kinds of people, I mean, Bill Gates is like this too. Bill Gates is a goofy, stupid looking person, but he's rich and powerful. These are the people that want to rule your life and tell you what to do. So Hotez listened, I guess, or heard about the Joe Rogan interview with RFK Jr. And he puts up this tweet, put it up, pull it up, Captain. He posts an article from Vice from the past. Or actually, he he posted an article from Vice. I thought Vice was out of business. Anyway, whatever. And and he says, Spotify has stopped even sort of trying to stem Joe Rogan's vaccine misinformation. It's really true, just awful. And from all the online attacks I'm receiving after this absurd podcast, it's clear many actually believe this nonsense. So Peter Hotez, MD, PhD, he goes on the attack and posts an article from Vice that suggests that Spotify should be censoring the Joe Rogan podcast. So he's a big censorship guy. And he can't take it when Joe Rogan responds. So here's what Joe Rogan said in a tweet back. He said, you can pull it off, Captain, yeah. He said, Peter, if you claim what RFK Jr. is saying is misinformation, I'm offering you $100,000 to the charity of your choice if you're willing to debate him on my show with no time limit. And Hotez went back and forth. He refused to accept the offer. He says, Joe, you have my cell, my email. I'm always willing to speak with you. And Joe Rogan says, I challenged you publicly because you publicly, quote, tweeted and agreed with that dog Shiza Vice article. If you're really serious about what you stand for, you now have a massive opportunity for a debate that will reach the largest audience a discussion like this has ever had. If you think someone else is better qualified, suggest that person. I mean, this is great. Joe Rogan's saying, hey, okay, come on my show. And it's a long form, so it's very fair. I mean, if anything, Joe Rogan's one of the fairest guys out there. I mean, he's, he's, he's taken positions that are more conservative lately, but he's still not a Republican or conservative. But he has an open mind, and that's something I appreciate about Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan's not one of me. He's not one of us, per se. And, you know, Hotez even put a tweet out that was aggressive, and then he took it down. So Hotez put this tweet out which said, be serious, Joe. That's what you throw out for your hunting buddies on a weekend. A $50 million endowment, which you, Spotify, RFK Jr. can easily afford. Not for me, but so we can continue making low-cost, patent-free vaccines for the world's poor. I mean, what a blowhard. All these people are legends in their own mind. The, 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 it's just incredible. I mean, this guy, Fauci, no humility, absolute hubris, just excessive pride, can't do anything wrong. I mean, this is the mind of a tyrant. And many, many of your friends and neighbors are probably like this. And they're Democrats for sure. I grew up with these people at my elitist college preparatory school. This is how they talked. They would say things like, you know, well, they would racist things too. Be like, you know, these black people or whatever else, they're just too stupid. They're too stupid. They need to be told what to do. I mean, this is how they think. So he wouldn't accept it. Now, here's Hotez. Now, this is what's great. 
So Hotez has no credibility. This is a buffoon. This is somebody that's a vaccine expert that got the entire pandemic wrong. And why? Because he's a fraud. He's corrupt. He took money from the Bill Gates Foundation, for example. This guy is funded by Fauci. Fauci gave this guy a grant. I mean, it's all the same. All these people are the same. Crooks. So first, queue up cut seven, Captain. This is a montage, three different appearances of Hotez on different shows. And you'll hear he's wrong on every single account. One, in the end, he'll call for basically you to be put in prison if you disagree or speak against the quote-unquote science, which was no science at all that they were preaching. So, you know, if you are a voice of dissent, he thinks you should be stuck in prison and investigated. So that's the first thing. And then in another clip you'll hear, he, he talks about the, the need to continue masking children. Now, this was after it was already acknowledged that these little masks they were making everyone wear didn't do anything. And then he goes on TV and says it's irresponsible to take masks off our children in school. This is a lunatic. He also, in the first clip you'll hear, he predicts Joe Biden will never implement a vaccine mandate. So this guy's never been right about anything. And he's the victim. He's the science itself. He won't debate. Well, I wouldn't debate if I was him either. Because he's a fraud. Play the cut, Captain. Go. This is Hotez, fat man. This is uh, months and months of anti-science, anti-vaccine aggression coming from the far-right elements of the Republican Party. And you saw it play out at the CPAC conference where they said this is nothing more than an effort for power and control. And they're going to use, first they're going to force vaccines on us, then they're going to take away our Bibles and our guns. And and all of that disinformation, meaning deliberate misinformation, came out of CPAC, the conservative news outlet, start lifting mask mandates now you're basically condemning all the kids to get infected with omicron and and having to live with those consequences which mean that some kids will have to be hospitalized or, or possibly worse so it makes no sense to lift mask mandates at this point i've been saying you know for the last year and a half that the biden administration has to realize that that anti-science is a killer disinformation yeah. it's not even just disinformation it's, this is an anti-science empire right now and we need homeland security we need the justice department we've really got to figure this out and, and the health and health and human services will not be able to figure this out on so that guy who got the entire pandemic response wrong called for the doj i mean any bureaucracy that existed to be weaponized against people that were actually right. And so now let's just complete this whole picture here. So you understand the context of the Twitter fight. You understand who Hotez is and how he has no credibility whatsoever. And by the way, how is this guy not fired from Baylor University? He goes on MSNBC and attacks conservatives. Are there not conservatives that attend Baylor University in Waco, Texas? I think there are. But this is academia, totally corrupt. Now, if he'd gone on and attacked the left, he would have been fired and punished. As we saw happen to Gina Carano, Daryl Morey, all these different individuals. So now play cut six. So Hotez, he says he's not a good debate. I mean, he says ludicrous things like, well, you know, RFK Jr. is a professional debater. I'm just a scientist. 
He's better at debating. I'm shy. He's so shy. He's so shy that he goes on. He runs to MSNBC for protection. Play a uh, cut six, Captain. Go. Set aside for a moment that Joe Rogan wouldn't even be a neutral moderator of such a debate. He's endorsed anti-vax nonsense many times before. But you just can't, in general, debate with conspiracists and loons. You can't debate whether up is down, hot is cold, black is white. They never change their minds, and they win just by you agreeing to share a platform with them. What's the expression? Never wrestle with a pig. You both get dirty, and the pig gets 40,000 new followers on Twitter. Joining me now is Dr. Peter Hotez himself. Thank you for coming back on the show. It's a shame it's under these circumstances. I understand you've been hit with a deluge of harassment over the last 24 hours. There was even uh, some crazy people who tracked you down and accosted you in person at your home and shouted at you. How are you doing after being called out by the world's richest man and America's most powerful podcaster? Well, you know, the the attacks from the anti-vaccine lobby do come in waves and and this time though it's uh it's it's been one one of the uh, one of the tougher ones because as you point out of physical stalking and and the incessant threatening emails and 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 the stuff online is just total wackadoodle um and let's face it when you have RFK and Junior and Joe Rogan and Elon Musk all tag teaming those trace hombres at the same time. I mean, that that probably includes just about yeah. every follower on Twitter. So it's it's it was a, a pretty pretty overwhelming. Oh, boohoo, you pansy! It was overwhelming. Three people on Twitter: Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, and RFK. Their Twitter followers were coming after. This is what the left does all day long. They have groups I've explained devoted to tar. It happens to me on Twitter. It happens to me on Twitter. You know, I had I had uh, Adam Kinzinger one time come at me on Twitter. And as soon as he came for me, I had hundreds. I was added to these rooms, these groups, so that they could go and find my name and target me and come for me on Twitter to overwhelm my Twitter with threats and harassment. So boo-hoo, you pansy. Grow a pair. Grow a pair, you castrated cow. So... You know, Trace Ombrace against me. This is the guy who called for the DOJ to go and punish and silence people that disagreed with him. But three people on Twitter disagreeing with him and calling him out for his BS. And he's whining. I can't take it. And they mention about how he's being physically threatened and harassed. BS. One individual did go to, I wouldn't recommend this just because you know how the, the media is going to run with the narrative, but one individual did go to Hotez's house. I forgot the guy's name. He's well known. And he was polite. He actually sh started by shaking Hotez's hand and he was asking Hotez questions and so on and so forth. And Hotez went in his house. It was not a threatening environment. You know, it was nothing. I mean, it, it, it's not like he was Rand Paul getting his ribs broken by a neighbor at his own home. It's not like, uh, you know, the, 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 the lunatic left that goes and shoots up baseball fields of Republicans. It's not like that. But they're ganging up on him. Ganging up on him. I mean, this is, this is you know, they, they do this intimidation to us all the time. And now we're not going to stoop to their level because we're not going to cross the line in terms of becoming monsters. But please, we should be harassing these people. These people should be not fearful for their lives, but they should be fearful 
to come out and show their faces because they risk being humiliated. These people have to be ridiculed and humiliated. I mean, this is, this is the talking point too. They can't debate with conspiracists. So, so, you know, they're right. They don't have to prove their point. They don't have to, to do any of that because we're just conspiracists. And yet these are the people that said the vaccine prevented the contraction or spread of COVID. That was a conspiracy. That was a lie. They said masks work. That was a lie. They said social distancing worked. That was a lie. They suppressed actual epidemiologists who were far more esteemed and successful than these losers. The great Barrington Declaration, for example, Stanford, Oxford, you know, these, these institutions, these people that came out and said, no, 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 you need to do a targeted, targeted approach. Just old people, people that are vulnerable, keep them away. Herd immunity is the way to go. And these people colluded, Fauci. We need to silence these people. It's dangerous. So don't have any fear. Don't let these people dictate how you behave. Don't let them gaslight you. Don't let them you know, tell you what morality and virtue and good behavior is because these people are monsters. Treat them as such. Because if they have their way and you don't speak up and you don't ridicule them and you don't reduce them to the ash heap of history in terms of just defeating this movement, you're going to be sitting in a gulag. That's the reality. All right. Well, it's been another great adventure here on the Drew Allen Show with you all. Uh, This is your Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all, and until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've I've become a big fan of your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom.